0: I had a dream recently that I met my father as a young man or more accurately, I almost met him. It was a bright summer day and I was walking in a town that was unfamiliar to me and I saw a man coming toward me in a light colored suit with a crew cut and kind of big squarish glasses. he was probably in his twenties or his thirties, young anyway, and I had this sudden rush of recognition. He was the man that I saw in all of our family photographs that were taken before I was born. I said, Dad. And he stopped and looked confused, as anybody might be, if a woman twice their age addressed them as Dad. But I couldn't help myself. Dad. And he stopped blinking for a moment. And he might've been just going to say something to me when a car pulled up and a woman popped out and grabbed him by the arm. Come on, Mr. Hogue, she said, looking at me suspiciously. We'll get you out of here. And she hustled him into the car and drove off. Clearly, I have seen a few movies about time travel. I love them. I wish, I'm one of the people that wishes that time travel was true. It's why I chose Back to the Future as the text for our service. Time travel is about the longing, the hunger, the desire that we all have to break free of the limitations of time, to have more of it, or to have more uh, time to be doing the things and being the pe- with the people that we love to change violent or or a painful history, to deal with mistakes and, and regrets, and to overcome the frailty and the limited shelf life of all the human bodies that we hold dear. It's something that we know is not possible and yet stubbornly still find quite plausible. Like almost meeting your late father as a young man. It just seems just beyond our reach. And it's not just storytellers who are interested in this notion. The National Geographic reports that 50 scientific papers are published every year concerning time travel. The idea is just a little more than a century old. It really hasn't been part of our thinking for most of human history. H.G. Wells put together the words time and travel for the first time really in 1895, when he wrote The Time Machine. Why then? You might wonder, and James Gleick in his wonderful book, Time Travel, gives us some great insights about that. He says that the industrial age showed people um, were watching their daily life change dramatically and they could see an agrarian life uh, receding behind them. And, For the first time, people could see that their lives were different from that of their parents and the world that their children would inhabit would be different from their own. Marshall McLuhan said, technology defines how we collectively understand time and space. So different inventions like the telegraph, which made transmission of information instantaneous instead of being limited by the speed at which a horse or a train car could move. This type of precision allowed us to create a train schedule. It was a visual map of both space and time, so you could see 8:15 Kirkwood and then map its relationship with 8:23 uh, downtown St. Louis. Time and place became fused and could be could be plotted out, could be visualized. Bleak writes, James Bleak writes that H.G. Wells' ideas about time were informed by Charles Lyell and Charles Darwin, who read the buried strata that frame the ages of the earth and the ages of life. Wells studied zoology and geology as a scholarship student at the Normal School of Science and Royal School of Mines, and these subjects encouraged him to view the world's history as if from a great height, its lost epochs, a panorama unfolding, Geological time so vastly extended, disrupted the earlier sense of historical time in which the world was plausibly considered to be only 6,000 years old. And lately too, there was a science called archeology, span grave robbers and treasure hunters in the service of knowledge. Like photography and cinematography just being developed, time uh, time was starting to become visual and and intangible. When I visited Israel several years ago, they showed us these cutaway diagrams of uh, tells or mounds in which you see one group of conquerors from one era building over the last. The past could be mapped out as if it could be someplace you could go. And in movies like Back to the Future, it is also a place that you are from. Time travel is about mastering our limitations. In H. G. Wells's time and ours, we've developed control over so many things that our ancestors didn't. Um, so why not time? Leake says that the closer you you get to having something, the keener your desire for it, the more you think is possible. One thing that uh, seems to motivate people most in traveling back in time is regret or wanting to go back and fix something that seems wrong in the present. So in Back to the Future, Marty McFly does this without meaning to. He looks at his parents, two deeply unhappy people. His mother, Lorraine, an alcoholic. His father, George, is bullied and humiliated every day by a coworker. His brother and sister are lonely and they work menial jobs. And he's continually wondering why things seem out of whack in this family. Marty is good friends with a man that he calls Doc Brown, who is obsessed with time. The movie begins with Doc's lab, in Doc's lab, where there are more than 30, 30 clocks, I read, set 28 minutes slow for some experiment he's doing. And this makes Marty late for school. There is never enough time in this movie. And that's where it gets a lot of its tension. And we need a mechanism of some sort for, for uh, time travel. Most of the tales have some kind of machine or drug or something. In Wells's time machine, he created this uh, souped up bicycle which uh, was a pretty recent technology for them. And, and well, H.G. Wells was an avid cyclist. So it would make sense that his time machine would be a bicycle. Doc Brown uses a DeLorean. Why not, if you're gonna make a time machine, why not do it with a little style, he says. Well, things go awry with his experiment. Uh, Some terrorists, some stolen plutonium and uh, Marty needs to escape. So he jumps into the DeLorean, which has been set for, do you remember the date? November 12th, 1955. So Marty, returns to that date and he meets his parents, George and Lorraine, who are high school students. What a remarkable opportunity, right? Who wouldn't want a glimpse of their parents as teenagers? Maybe it would help us understand a little more about who they were. And who wouldn't want to at least walk around in another time, just say for a week? Robert Zemeckis 1955 is gorgeous with cool cars, great clothes and music that at least is about to become fabulous. With this much time since the movie was released, uh, uh, Back to the Future also serves as a time capsule for the 1980s. No cell phones, uh, computers, there are stonewashed jeans, big teased hair, Calvin Klein underwear, and the running joke is people thinking that Marty's best jacket, uh, the height of fashion in 1985 was a life preserver. The town also looks a lot nicer and shinier than it did in 1985. In uh, Since our hero is a young, white, straight, cisgender, able-bodied male, this town was literally built for him. You can see it on the sign advertising a brand new development. Film critic Justin Chang said that Back to the Future was a perfect film for the mid 1980s and the Reagan era. It worshiped technological innovation and it nursed a longing for what it considered a simpler time that had gone by. There are a few notes in the film that have kind of soured with time, I think. Don't say that a white kid from the suburbs gives a genius like Chuck Berry his new sound. Just don't. Don't create what is essentially a rape scene as a chance for someone to be a hero. Not cool, dude. For what it's worth, I'd like to see a film where Lorraine gets to be the one to deliver that rape hook that knocks Biff out. Then she jumps into the DeLorean, drives off for five or six years hence, gets her law degree and puts his sorry behind in jail. But to quote Marty McFly, I guess you guys aren't ready for that. They weren't in 1985. But your granddaughters are going to make it happen. You could say that all the reasons that we want to travel in time really come down to one, to to elude death. Time is brutal. Time is a killer. Everyone knows that time will bury us eventually. Time's winged chariot is not taking us anywhere good. The late Forester church once said, religion is our human response to the dual reality of being alive and having to die. I find that so powerful. I'm gonna say it again, religion, is our human response to the duality of being alive and having to die. What do we make of this is a religious question. Religion has for centuries tried to soften this terrible notion of death and finality with the possibility of heaven and hell, creating rules of behavior and creeds that have to be believed, cycles of reincarnation, even if you don't think it's fair. There was something satisfying in saying, well, at least we know. Universalism's great contribution to Western religion was to insist that the notion of hell was simply unbelievable, unsubstantiated, and utterly cruel for a loving God to do to God's people. Other religions have followed suit after that. Religion, um, for Unitarian Universalists now, now as a whole, I would say we are agnostic about the afterlife. We don't know, and we simply can't know. And yet I have to think, I have to think that we feel the same longing to know as anybody else. There is a scene towards the end when Lorraine and George have their, their legendary kiss of the enchantment under the sea ball, which makes Marty's future life secure again. Marty leaves the stage and he runs into them. Lorraine. Marty, that was very interesting music. I, uh, yeah. Um, um, I hope you don't mind, but George asked if he could take me home. Great, good, good. Lorraine, I have a feeling about you too. I have a feeling too. Listen, I gotta go, but, uh, I wanted to tell you that it's been educational. Marty, will we ever see you again? I guarantee it. Well, Marty, I want to thank you for all your good advice. I'll never forget it. Right, George. Well, uh, good luck, you guys. Marty, will we ever see you again? Why would she ask him that? He has said nothing about leaving town or going away. But the question isn't really about that, is it? It's the question we want to ask everyone we love who we know will die, especially our parents. And we don't ask it, we know the answer. It's sort of like the Midwestern goodbye. You know, that thing that we do saying that we've got to go now and we're still talking. We move a few feet and we say, I've got to go again. And then we talk some more. We are just kind of lousy at goodbyes. I think we love this movie because for a few moments we don't have to say goodbye. We are forever young, revving up the DeLorean rocking out to Johnny B. Good and gliding through town on a skateboard. We are just that cool. We know we can't go back there. we know. Nobody is going to invent a time machine that works. All we can do, and all of these time travel stories do, is ask, what if? It's all about asking the question, what if? A sacred, As sacred a question as we will ever ask.